0: Welcome to episode 51 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writing director J.J. Abrams, as well as his greater Bad Robot universe. I'm your host for this week. My name is Marcelo Rosa joined as always by my fellow co-host, Matt Crandall. On this edition of the show, we'll be looking at Lost, season 3, episodes 17 through 19 the first episode up in that batch is the episode entitled catch 22 so with that all said and done i have a question for you matt there is a wire on the beach do you want to dust it off pick it up and pull it
1: i definitely don't (laughs) after after watching this episode i would not advise it and i did like that catch 22 opens with one of the most brutal death scenes on Lost that ends up being one of Desmond's future flashes where they are walking through the jungle and Charlie takes an arrow through the neck. Absolutely disgusting, violent moment. And then we find out that this is one of Desmond's, you know, what could happen. But the twist here is that as part of this horrendous vision, he also saw Vision's, of a parachuter and a photo of him and Penny. So he thinks that Penny has arrived at the Island. So Desmond wants this future to come true. And for most of the episode, a lot of the tension is driven by the fact that Desmond is leading them through the jungle, following this wire from his vision. And we are not sure if he's going to save Charlie or if he's going to let Charlie buy the farm to make sure that this vision comes true. And That had me questioning Desmond's motives because usually he's been very upfront with Charlie, but in this, he flat out lies to him. And then the flashbacks show us that at one point in time, Desmond was a monk and how Desmond's life sort of took shape. Marcelo, did you know that Desmond was going to be a monk? Was that out of left field or did you get a sense that he was at one point a very religious man?
0: I had no idea that at one point we were going to see Desmond sort of turn over a new leaf and become a monk. The entire flashback story really had me confused and enraptured. You know, I assumed before the end of this episode that this was after he broke up with Penny in Sydney. Then he did the race, which ultimately led him to the island. As the end of this episode illustrates, this was the origin story of how Desmond met Penny in the first place, and I thought that was endlessly romantic and endlessly watchable, but the only thing that really, really pissed me off in this episode, as far as the flashbacks go, is the fact that Desmond dated this woman for six years, and then he left her on the fucking altar and then he decided to become a monk I'm like dude what kind of a monster are you like like where is your soul where is it what uh, what kind of a sick sadistic person does that but that being said he doesn't really get his heart until the end of this episode the other thing that I enjoyed the, the way that we got to see the way um, that Desmond see's time like you said Matt we really don't know Desmond's motives on whether he really wants to save Charlie or whether he wants to let Charlie die because he thinks that that person that you know uh jumped into the ocean after they jumped out of of a helicopter is Penny but it was kind of confusing and frustrating to see Desmond's um loyalties sort of waver a little bit because he loves Penny so much. I could understand that, but it was sort of frustrating.
1: Yeah, it was frustrating seeing that. And also the backstory, like you said, we find more out about Desmond that we didn't necessarily know in terms of who he is as a man where, yeah, he went out with this woman for six years. They were engaged and he ghosted her a week before the wedding. Like not even a goodbye, just friggin' realize this was not for him and cut and run, which is very bad form, quite rude. And it did cast doubts on his character, which in conjunction with the present where he is basically marching Charlie to his death, really started to play in the grays of Desmond Hume. And is this guy a good guy? Has he learned anything from his time? But in those final moments where he does meet Penny, it is instantly obvious that they have great chemistry together. It is a meet cute in like sort of a, a traditional movie sense, but it feels more organic. And we realize that this woman being in this man's life might be the road to changing him into a better person. And then, you know, when he does save Charlie because he can't let this happen, it is finally pretty clear that his motives may have been muddied because he was just thinking of Penny, but when push comes to shove, he will do the right thing, which I thought was really nice because I didn't have very many questions about Desmond's character before, but this episode brought up so many as it was going that it was like being bombarded with, with questions about who is this guy and do we even know him at all? So I did like the way that that plays out on the island, not on their watching, <laughs> watch walking Charlie to his death march. We do get some interesting scenes with Jack and Juliet, Sawyer and Kate. You know, they they bring the the Sawyer and Kate thing comes back. So we know that Jack knows and Sawyer knows that Jack knows and Kate gets a little bit jealous when she sees Jack and Juliet having a good time and then she kind of uses Sawyer almost to to take her mind off Jack which was interesting and I love when Sawyer is like hey I don't mind being used you just got to say it like you don't have to worry about it and then she said you know if this was something special you would make me a mixtape and he gives her that Phil Collins tape uh was kind of like cute moments but still I'm like all right let's put this kate sawyer business to bed because obviously her reaction to jack and juliet has shown that sawyer is not her true love or her intended she still has a lot of unresolved feelings with jack so let's try and get to the next stage of this and move those along
0: the only thing that i will say about that kathleen is really being self-destructive, and she's self-medicating by sleeping with Sawyer, which, was, which will not solve a goddamn thing. Like you, Matt, I really, really want them to just sort of put the Kate and Sawyer relationship to bed. We move on to the next episode called DOC. Matt, what do you think about that one?
1: So DOC is very interesting because... The previous episode, we come across the parachuter who Desmond thought was Penny. The very end of the episode, we find out it's not Penny. It's some woman we've never seen. And she just says Desmond and passes out, which raises a lot of questions like who, what, why, how. And in this, they start to sort of interrogate her, but she's severely wounded. So she is not really with it. And she gives us some information that is shocking and surprising. So, Marcello, where was your head at when she says, you guys can't be the survivors of 815. They found that plane and all the bodies were on it and everyone was dead.
0: What in the holy hell is going on here? Now, back in the day, I can't honestly give you my reaction because I, I for the life of me, I can't remember my reaction but today I can tell you my reaction and it was basically that you know basically what what I just said but with an expletive thrown in there I love this episode for the backstory between Sun and Jin I found it really heartbreaking that uh, Jin had a mother who abandoned him And left him to be raised by his fisherman father. And I found it really intriguing that Jin has always been embarrassed of his heritage and where he's come from. In his culture, that is somewhat understandable. But for someone like me and possibly someone like you, Matt, it's possible that you or me don't understand that type of shame because we're not in that culture so to me for for me to see something like that play out in this episode was endlessly fascinating
1: yeah i thought that was really well done and when we got to that first time that Jin Jin's father was in a flashback i mentioned how heartbreaking those moments were where Jin admits to his dad that he's getting married and that he was ashamed of him and that's why But to have that character come back and have a great scene with son really just reinforced this heartbreaking thing where, you know, Jin's dad seems like such a stand up guy because we find out not only was he a poor fisherman who was raising this son alone, he doesn't even know if Jin is actually his son because Jin's mother is revealed in this episode was a prostitute who could have been with countless men and she just dumped the baby with this poor fisherman who raised him as if he was his own. And the fact that now Jin has disowned his father is super heartbreaking. And it does speak a lot to the culture of honor, shame, embarrassment that isn't the same for, for us being, you know, of a different culture. So it's, Tough to wrap your head around sometimes, but I did like that we find out through the flashbacks that a lot of their problems, Jin and son, with with son's father Mr. Pike all stem from this incident. This blackmail where Jin's mother is demanding payment or else she is going to shame son and Jin publicly and let them know that his mother is a prostitute. And that this guy comes from a dishonorable, embarrassing family. And son gives in to the blackmail, borrows the money from her father. And he says, Your husband is going to be indebted to me. And he's going to have to work off this money in a way that is not going to be above board. So this is the inciting incident that ends up knocking over the first domino that starts to really put their relationship in a bad spot. So to find out that it was their love for one another and the secrets that they're keeping that started this train of events in motion is super heartbreaking. It's one of those things where if the communication was better, this couple might never have fallen on hard times, but they're keeping secrets And doing stuff with the best intentions, but from those good intentions come horrible consequences. So I thought that was really interesting. And of course, this is all wrapped up in the on-island events where Juliet and son are trying to determine when son's date of conception was to find out if she got pregnant on the island, pre-island, which will determine whether the baby is Jay Lee's or Jin's. And I was really interested in that whole storyline because it it will be something going forward because we know if it is an on-island conception, then there are bad times ahead for Sun from what we know from Juliet. And if it was an off-island conception, there are bad times ahead for Sun and Jin if she ends up telling him the truth. Were you worried about which way it was going to go and what way did you want it to go, Marcelo?
0: I wasn't particularly worried about which way it was going to go. I was just saying to myself, no matter what the result is, whether it's Jay Lee's baby or whether it's Jin's baby, whatever happens here, the end result is going to be bad for the heartbreak and the train wreck that was going to ensue. The whole... Idea of Juliet wanting to burden her soul and help out Jin find out who the real father of her baby was. This episode was like a big, giant flashlight. I've been obsessed. Like, I've been been a man on a mission trying to figure out why the hell Juliet is still listening to Benjamin Lanius. What the hell? Could Ben have over Juliet? And as I was watching this episode, I was like, it's so simple. We know Ben to be a man of his word, but, you know, maybe if Juliet doesn't keep doing this crazy conception crap for Ben on the island, maybe Ben would have the balls to have Juliet's sister killed. Am I like thinking about this too much? or Is that remotely possible?
1: I definitely think it's possible because we have seen that there is no length that Benjamin Linus won't go to to ensure he gets his way. And certainly after last week where we found out that Juliet was still working with Ben, even though she was pretending to be estranged and left behind, This one starts to show more of her true colors in the fact that she leaves that tape recorded message for Ben hits stop and then says, I hate you. And I love that we we see that, okay, she is still doing what Ben wants, but obviously she was not lying about wanting Ben dead. She does hate this guy. And it is this thing where what is he capable of doing more bad things? And that is why she feels like she's between a rock and a hard place, because the only way she can get out of this situation is if her worst enemy grants her permission to leave. And also because we find out about the plane, it starts to bring up bigger questions. Like, is there some sort of overarching conspiracy on the outside world to cover up That now we know that nobody's even looking for 815. All of the survivors' bodies have been accounted for. Um, They are all dead. Like, who did this? How? Is it part of Dharma? Are they covering this up? And why? And it does raise more questions about the island. A lot of those theories of is it hell? Is it purgatory? Lost has been slowly moving away from that. But in this one, they kind of throw gasoline on a fire before they try and put that fire out very shortly in that moment where we find out that, yeah, the, the bodies were there and McHale comes back. And when he came out of the jungle, I was like, what the fuck am I watching? I thought this guy died a couple of weeks ago. What did you think about that part?
0: What in the Holy fuck? This guy, his brains were made into scrambled eggs. So how the hell Did this guy come back? Uh, The batch of episodes that we're talking about this week, I think they lean very, very heavily into the overall mystery. If you're watching along with us and if you're thinking about, uh, you know, jumping off the boat and and banging your head against the wall, I wouldn't blame you. I don't know why that one-eyed Russian came back again. And I don't know why Desmond didn't let Charlie kill that son of a bitch. I I can't remember if he's going to come back or not. I have no earthly idea whatsoever.
1: Right. And I didn't remember that he came back this time. And so that threw me off because it wasn't something that was ingrained in my brain. But I did love where Jin starts going, phone, phone, and they're like, what? And we find out uh, that Mikhail tried to steal the sat phone, and he's like, well, you wouldn't have respected me if I didn't at least try to steal the phone. So I thought that moment was good, but I totally forgot that this character came back, and it does raise so many more questions about what the hell is this island that we already had a million, and we already know it can heal people, but heal them from the dead? Like, this is... So many more questions as we headed into that last episode of this week that I was just like, my head was spinning.
0: So we move to the final episode that we're going to talk about this week entitled The Brig. I have one question for you, Matt. I have a letter here addressed to Mr. Sawyer. Would you like to read it?
1: I will not read it. I won't. So if anybody has... Uh, ever watched Armchair Directors by a YouTube show that I do occasionally? They may have noticed that there is a pattern of a certain subgenre that I absolutely love, which is the revenge subgenre of movies and shows. And the fact that The Brig ends up being all about Sawyer finally getting the ultimate revenge against the man who screwed over his mother resulted in the death of his mother and father and happens to be the bastard father of John Locke. I love the brig. This episode, the revenge aspect is so satisfying. And those moments where the dots are connected, I just, you know, wanted to cheer. And it's rare that I root for someone to be murdered on a show. But oh man, was I counting down the seconds until Anthony Cooper got what was coming to him. But after last week where Mikhail comes back and this week where John's father figures into it a lot more, I had so many questions about why does Ben need Anthony Cooper to be dead? Because that's a big thing where they want Locke to kill his father and they say that he has to do it partly because like the island is demanding it and that's how why he was brought here. But I'm unclear why he must be dead, how that figures into it. And also Anthony Cooper, the original Tom Sawyer says, you know, oh, I must be dead because the last thing I remembered before coming here was being in a car accident. And Sawyer's like, what? And he says, well, you know, heaven is not this hot. Like we must be in hell. And I thought that that combined with what happened last week, it's starting to really be much, much more murky waters in terms of. What is the island? What is happening here? And obviously, if they are saying they have a character who thinks that this is hell, then it is not because that wouldn't be something the Lost Writers would give us. So what were you thinking as this was playing out with Locke's father having to be sacrificed and finding out that he thinks he is in hell?
0: I was so pissed off with this episode because I completely, absolutely forgot the ending of this episode. I was so pissed off at John Locke after everything that this son of a bitch father has done to him. He does not have the balls to kill this to kill this guy. I was I was so so hopping mad. That's why. Uh, uh, when Sawyer eventually kills this fucker after the dots are all connected, like you Matt, I wanted to stand up and scream to high heaven. I I loved the ending of this episode. But I do think, um, that the writers sort of, um, shot themselves in the foot by sort of, ramping up the mystery aspect to this episode. Uh, Locke's father mentions hell. He mentions how he believed he got there. And I'm thinking to myself, as a writer, you don't write stuff like this and not think that the people that are watching the show are going to have questions about it. I think the writers of Lost, in general, tried to tell the best story that they possibly could But in the moment of them writing these episodes, I think they had no idea of the hole that they were digging themselves into. Back in the day, did you have any idea of how uh, uh, the world around you and how your friends were going to react to this? I do think that
1: this episode definitely added so much fuel to the fire about what is the island and why is the island. Because, like I said, you know, Anthony thinks that it's hell. So then we immediately think, okay, they wouldn't give us that if it actually was some sort of hell. And the fact that Ben is demanding that this guy be killed is just so weird. And the fact that it was going to be like a public execution and Richard says, you know, Ben knew you couldn't do it Locke, And he just wanted to embarrass you. But the fact that then, Richard says to to John like if you can't do it here's someone who can still implies that like the island needs the sacrifice and so we don't know why and that like added so many more questions that I do love that this episode the flashbacks are lock in his time with the others because he hasn't been in the last couple of episodes so we just see what has happened there and him not being able to kill his father Even after everything that has happened is so frustrating, as you mentioned, where for most of us, we're just like, we would have been through the ringer at that point so much, you probably wouldn't hesitate. But it does show that John Locke, even after everything he has been through, chucked out a window, betrayed, kidney stolen, still has a code that he is not willing to cross and murder is still that thing on the table that Locke is not willing to do which is so interesting after everything he's been through but it adds this principle to his character that you know even as he's been wavering over his faith of if the island is something special or if he is something special i did find it interesting that he still holds true to that he is not a murderer he is not going to sink to the level that his father is on so that in the the flashbacks was super interesting to me and the present day stuff, um, with Saeed figuring out by talking to Naomi more about the fact that the plane has been found, that nobody's looking for them and that she was hired by Penny to come to this spot because they thought that maybe Desmond was here, but the coordinates they have didn't even show an Island. So that starts to ask more questions where she managed to get to the island but didn't know that she was coming to an island. Stuff is getting super, super supernatural, super weird. And I think this is probably the season of Lost where if you can go for the ride knowing that there are going to be more questions than answers, the answers might not all add up, but you can enjoy the journey then I think this is kind of the tipping point where if you can't go with that, by the end of this season, you should cut and run. But if you can, there's a lot of good stuff still waiting for you.
0: If I could go back to the Ben thing just for a single second, you're going to shoot me because I want to talk about Benjamin Lawrence so much. If he knows that John doesn't have the um, doesn't have the emotional acuity to kill his own father then the only reason that i could possibly think of ben wanting to embarrass john locke is to keep power over the small group of others that he controls because if you really think about it ben is not the one behind the wheel when john eventually catches up with the others Ben is smart enough to realize that he did not kill his father. So Ben has to know that John didn't do it. So ultimately, Ben just wanted the body. But you're, but what did what did he want the body for?
1: We aren't sure what that's going to accomplish and why, if John Locke couldn't do it, why did they still need him dead? So that's still on the table. And yeah, I definitely think they mentioned that he wanted to embarrass Locke. And it is because that small group of people think that John Locke, being a guy who was paralyzed and now can walk, has been anointed by the island as some sort of special person. That special person used to be Ben, who was born on the island, had never been sick a day in his life. But now that they know Ben had cancer and had to have a surgery, the island is not, it's almost like the power of who the island thinks is the chosen one had switched from Ben to Locke. So Ben needed to knock Locke down a peg to try and show the people this guy is not the chosen one. It's still me. Even if somebody else is driving the ship, you guys know I'm special. I'm the guy who's lived here his whole life and know more about this island than anyone. So don't mistake this John Locke character just because he's walking around now. He ain't shit. King Kong ain't got nothing on me is what Benjamin Linus is trying to say in those moments, I think.
0: And on that wonderful note, I think that I'll do it for this edition of Radio 815. Listen, Ernie, if you have any questions for us, there are a couple ways to reach us. First, you can just simply use the hashtag uh, Radio 815 or you can uh, reach out to us on our personal Twitter account. It's uh, JJUniverse815. But if you want to reach me personally... Uh, You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. Matt, if they want to reach out to you and talk to you about anything, what would be the best place for them to do that?
1: On Twitter, at Matt Crandall. Uh,
0: That'll do it. Until next time, as I often say, we'll talk back soon.